I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Now, welcome to Nothing Impossible, sponsored by Accelerate St. Louis, the epicenter of innovation for the St. Louis region. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Calhoun and Travis Sheridan on News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome into our weekly conversation about local innovation in the St. Louis region. Michael here. And Travis. And why was the director of the National Science Foundation in St. Louis? us this week because uh, the cardinals weren't in town <laughs> were they no it's not for that it's oh, not baseball boy. ladies and gentlemen it's not baseball it's innovation yeah they're here to uh, learn about the st louis startup culture and coming up on the program we're going to talk uh, with a couple of people who will clue us into what the exploring innovation frontiers initiative is all about they're going to four cities uh california houston texas well, how did st louis get on the list we'll talk about that coming up and we're also going to uh, talk to one of our favorite, and I guess if we're biased, one of our favorite startups in town, Greetable, who uh, just raised a little bit of money, $1.5 little bit million. Of money. Wow. $1.5 million. Uh, They have this greeting card that can be folded m- miraculously into a box and shipped out to your friends uh, with a great gift inside. And so Father's Day is coming up. Maybe pe- uh, people want to get it for dads. And uh, we're going to talk to Joe, who is the CEO of Greetable, and learn a little bit more about what they're doing. Yeah, what is the gifting gap? That's their market uh, that they're going for right there. And we'll get the scoop from Joe. And also, big groundbreaking this week, the first new Metrolink station in St. Louis in more than a decade. It's going into, of course, the Cortex Innovation District. So we'll find out what the uh, what the appeal is. We'll find out also, in terms of Safety. It's been in the news. What is Metrolink doing about that? So lots to talk about innovation-wise in St. Louis, and we'll get to it all coming right up. So stick around. We're going to start with uh, people from D.C. hanging out in St. Louis. That's up next on KMOX. Last night while you were sleeping, the world continued to turn. Start your new day the right way with Total Information AM and get the world all over again. Wake up to world, national, and local news. Traffic and weather together every 10 minutes. The world of sports plus business news and so much more. information am st louis's news traffic and weather now back to nothing impossible sponsored by accelerate st louis the epicenter of innovation for the st louis region on news radio 1120 kmox all right welcome back into nothing impossible in studio with you michael calhoun and travis sheridan and also with us we're going to talk about the council on competitiveness and a big event that's coming to st louis exploring the innovation frontiers initiative and we're joined by dedrick carter no stranger to nothing impossible vice chancellor at washington university thank you for coming in good to be here and chad evans who's executive vice president at the council on competitiveness chad thank you for coming in and coming to st louis Thanks for having me. I'm really happy to be here. Yeah, so tell us a little bit about what this event is about and what's, uh, what the discussion is about, what you're looking for. Well, Michael, we're really in St. Louis for a specific purpose. We want to learn from what is happening here that is driving long-term growth, innovation capacity, and entrepreneurship, not only for this region, 
But we want to be able to take back to Washington and share around the country some of the interesting stories, the new companies that are emerging, the collaborations between Washington University, the greater ecosystem that's really bubbling up here. Um, Our sense, and we felt this as we really launched this initiative over the past year, is that St. Louis is one of the three or four places in this country we had to visit. So we're really happy to be here today and tomorrow. What were those things that really stood out to you that that, uh, tipped the scale of saying we we have to do it here? couple of things. One, our knowledge of the deep public and private partnerships that were emerging in this in this city, not only in the city, but in the region and the state. Um, St. Louis has always been sort of a, you know, a gateway for, for growth and productivity enhancement in this country. There's a deep history. Just driving here to the studio this morning, we saw that. And as I was talking to Dedrick on the way in, that was really what was in the back of our minds a year ago when we launched this effort. But we knew something new was emerging, mm-hmm. and that was c- coming clear in Washington, D.C. We heard from not only policymakers in D.C., you need to go out into the Midwest. The story is not just about Silicon Valley and Route 128. For this country to thrive and survive in the 21st century, ecosystems and that are emerging in places like St. Louis will be absolutely critical for jobs and for growth in this country. And so, Dedrick, what have you, since you've since he's gotten here to St. Louis, what are the things that are on your list like, all right, I've got to show him this, we've got to go stop by this place, he's got to meet these people, who's on the list? What's um, What do you want to brag about in terms of St. Louis? So that's a super top secret list there, Michael. But, um, <laughs> no, I mean, the, 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 the fun thing about uh, being an ambassador for St. Louis and the innovation capacity that we're, we're building here is that you don't look in old places for new things, right? So we've got... A, a bubbling ecosystem happening here. Um, they're going to be here for two days. Um, we're going to get a chance to expose them to a lot of the thought leaders around uh, in the space uh, and many of our university partners. We're going to show them some of the locations where we're aggregating and sort of concentrating innovation activities. And then we're going to talk about how what platforms we're putting in place to, to sort of make and see and do more. I got it taken by the city museum as well. I mean, you can't, you can't, can't not do that and not slide on a big slide or something. <laughs> Absolutely. Like that. Uh, you know, when we think about uh, old economic development models, this mm-hmm. used to be a zero-sum game, right? This this idea of uh, collaborating and sharing best practices, of making the entire nation more competitive on a larger scale. Uh, Chad, talk a little bit about how this sort of council is shifting that paradigm and getting more into the sharing sort of knowledge economy that we have. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Travis, it's interesting you mentioned that, you know, we're called the Council on Competitiveness. In some ways, people think our name implies that zero-sum game that you just right. talked about. But in fact, you know, for us to compete, you have to collaborate. And our 200 members, and our members are CEOs, university presidents, chief technology officers, labor leaders, national lab directors. And for 31 years, their mantra really has been, we have to find ways to come together to drive that fundamental productivity growth. And so – um, this activity in St. Louis is part of a, a dialogue series. We've been in Atlanta. We've been in Riverside, California. Uh, we've been in Houston. Now we're in St. Louis. And what we're looking at are a whole range of public-private partnerships that are increasingly important. Um, and why? Because what we do know, and Dedrick, I'm sure, can speak to this better than I can, the future of innovation is not only um, increasingly um, linked to that public-private partnership, but it's multidisciplinary, it's interdisciplinary. Um, the interesting things are happening at the the membranes when they touch and come together and cross, and uh, that's what we're that's what I'm hoping to find here in St. Louis. I know our conversation tomorrow. We're going to have incredible speakers on biotech and healthcare, but we're also going to have really consumer-facing industries with us. We're going to have – we're bringing actually Washington to St. Louis. We have the director of the National Science Foundation. She's coming to be with us to also learn. Hmm. And so that's what's really exciting because I think what will happen tomorrow and in the next day or two here 
will really, I'm hoping, drive change in Washington, D.C. And this is actually an important thing to, t- to take note of. If you hear what Chad just said is we this is not the first time that, that St. Louis has played on the major scene for innovation. I mean, mm-hmm. years ago, uh, we had another uh, NSF director come here quietly, and we out of that emerged something that became the national the NSF Innovation Corps, right? And now we get a a a, a great innovation a great NSF director coming in to say, so what's next? I mean, mm-hmm. what, what what what's on the on the scene? We're pulling together a really small group in mm-hmm. a roundtable dialogue, and we're going to roll up our sleeves and and really give our best thought to where we should be going. Now, when you talk about. Um these other cities, you said four or five other cities that you've taken a look at? or Yeah, St. Louis is, number f- is our fourth visit. It's the yeah. fourth. And so where does St. Louis compare, whether it's lifestyle or the state of uh, the ecosystem or um, our progress in building this? Where does St. Louis compare to these other cities? And is St. Louis a good example of building this kind of from scratch or no? I think St. Louis plays a special part in this dialogue series. We, we launched in Atlanta um, and we had conversations in Riverside, California, that were about talent and diversity and inclusivity and how we need to have a, a greater engagement of the U.S. population involved in innovation. Our conversation in Houston was really around some technology disruptors. Mm-hmm. But what's special about the conversation today and tomorrow in St. Louis is that it's bringing all of that together. St. Louis, in some sense, encapsulates all of those themes. So what we're hoping is St. Louis will be a platform for a broader national conversation that will emerge coming out of tomorrow's conversation. Yeah, the code word for this conversation is really game changers. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. What are the things, what are the accelerators, what are the sort of the, the catalysts that really are driving innovation in the emerging markets? Right? I think one of the reasons we even launched this initiative is that the pace of innovation changes so quickly mm-hmm. that the initiative in some sense is almost like we're, we're, we're trying to sense out what's next. Mm-hmm. And so in that sense, I think as Dedrick has just mentioned, St. Louis is pretty critical for us because there's something burgeoning, emerging here, and we want to learn from that. Well, you know, I, I remember when I was in banking, the, the favorite phrase was past performance is not indicative of future results. Right? That's how you hedge everything and protect <laughs> yeah. against the market going south. But when you look at building ecosystems, past performance could be indicative of future results. And so there could be some things that can be replicated in other markets that might be more predictive in nature as opposed to just being reactive. Yeah. Uh, and I would see a, a roundtable like this as helping identify those one or two elements that, if done right, should lead to this result. I think your institutions matter. Yeah. So the fact that we're working on this conversation with Washington University should say something to the community because it's an institution that really is at the heart of this innovation ecosystem. So, Dedrick, I don't know if you want to. Yeah, I will. I mean, I'll... I'm, I'm taking off my jacket to show you these cool cufflinks that I'm wearing, <laughs> which I picked up for about a dollar at an antique shop in uh, a little town, Cremora, Virginia. Um, and, and I say this because innovation is not new to St. Louis. I mean, you've heard me say this before. I mean, if you go back to the World's Fair and you, you think about the things that have happened in, over the last hundred years here, this is, it's part and parcel to what this city has been about. And so in some ways what we're doing is saying let's, let's look at those models that have been part of our DNA, dust them off a bit and say how do we breathe new life into that innovation here and how do we let that, blessed by great geography, be something that can spill over into other similar regions around the world, or specifically in the country, but but around the world. Right? Those are great cufflinks, by the way. They're great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One dollar. There you go. Wow. <laughs> so how would you describe, um, for those who are thinking, what is innovation, this word, this yeah. I'm hearing all about it, I'm hearing about startups and that sort of thing, yeah. what does this mean for my everyday life? Is, does it mean some new device, some new app? Does it mean a better lifestyle, cleaner air, better ways to get around, better transportation, more opportunities that I wouldn't have necessarily had before? My job is going to be different. What, what does innovation mean? My job mean? might be all, gone. All, 
Right. All, yeah. yeah. All of the above. Okay. Right? Or there may be a job that I never would have had access to before. Correct. That I might yeah. So, yeah. yeah. If you look at areas like, you know, the Cortex Innovation District here in St. Louis, if you look at areas in which you have great conf- concentrations of startups, the spillover effects of those areas to, to, uh, to, to adjacent uh, neighborhoods mm-hmm. is significant. And you start to see the overall quality of life go up. The wages go up, the jobs available go up. Unfortunately, the cost of living around there goes up a little bit as well. But all that's part and parcel to a shift, a change. And that is what innovation is about. It's about that shift and change and making sure that we can create and impact a better human condition. Yeah, it's about that value creation. And you can define value in a lot of ways. I think of innovation, it's, it's, a, it's a spectrum. It's everything from imagination to insight to ingenuity, Mm -hmm. to an invention, but ultimately it has to have some sort of impact. Mm -hmm. And if you don't have that, it's not innovation. We we keep asking people, to. to, we keep trying to generate and create, uncover why question askers uh, in our colleges and universities, Mm -hmm. in our high schools, and in our communities. And these people who are asking questions, why is it the way it is and why is it not in some other way? That curiosity is what we're really sort of stoking here. Figuring out how how do we find ways to scale that? I, I I have this uh, this belief that when you answer questions, you have a tendency to uncover or show your position on things. But if you ask questions instead of answering them, if you ask more questions, it illuminates your perspective, right? And we, Dedrick, to your point, we need more question answers right. Uh, askers, right? Mm-hmm. And I would imagine, Chad, in this uh, this roundtable that you're getting together, while you are seeking some answers, you're probably just seeking better questions mm-hmm. too. I hope we have better questions. I mean, one of the things that I hope to get out of tomorrow, I don't know if we'll get all the answers, but we're going to be asking these tremendous leaders that Dedrick has helped really pull together, what are the new business models that will be driving future growth in this country? What are you seeing happening here in St. Louis? What are the new ways in which universities and institutions like Washington University, how are they reaching out to the community, to industry, and to others to really, in fact, find these game changers that Dedrick mentioned? I don't know the answer to those questions, and even though we've been in three other cities, we don't have all the answers. But I have a very strong feeling that tomorrow's conversation will add value to that, and so I'm looking forward to to, to learning more. I was I'm just going to give a little shout out to how good St. Louis is because uh, we're here talking about St. Louis, and I'm going to use uh, Boston as a comparison. And I spend a lot of time in Boston. <clears throat> I was at a I was at a roundtable discussion in Boston on autonomous vehicles. Mm-hmm. Something that I would love to do. It's a very nerdy thing to do when you right. go to a new city. You learn <laughs> about autonomous vehicles, and uh, the call to action at the end was to create policy recommendations for the city as it relates to autonomous vehicles in these different scenarios. And at the end, I raised my hand and asked uh, because I was the only African American in the room. I said, "Is it common in Boston to have policy level decision uh, d- discussions without a full representation of the community?" And they lo- they sheepishly looked around and they said. You know what? That is one of our biggest problems is we don't get enough people around the room. And we're talking about transportation, which when you think about uh, impact work, the impacted workforce, the future of transportation is is definitely there. And what I appreciate about St. Louis, since we're a St. Louis based show, is that we uh, maybe it's post Ferguson. Maybe it's been all around, but all along. But I've seen it a lot post Ferguson. We try to make we want to make sure that there are more people that should be at the table around the table. Yeah. Um, and and Chad, as you're going out there, how how important is those are those inclusive voices in in driving innovation and, and the innovation agenda? It's everything. Mm-hmm. If we don't have that, we won't have an innovation economy in this country. That I think, if I can say, we've had one major learning. Although I don't know that it's you know it should be super obvious to everyone. Um, and sometimes it's as your experience in Boston, it's not so obvious. And so it was a very important decision for us to come to St. Louis for exactly the reasons you just described. It was very clear on our radar screen and that of, of the leadership um, and my council that 
there was something to be learned here. You know, I mentioned we were in Riverside, California. It's another interesting community that's done a lot to really understand its changing demographics and has some really interesting best practices. But that's just one slice of the American pie. Mm -hmm. And I think being here is another contribution to a national dialogue. And I think that's why you see someone like the director of the National Science Foundation making the effort to be here because it matters. Mm -hmm. And I think she's looking for, to Dedrick's point, new insights um, that really will make an impact on how we invest in the future in this country. And, and, and these are really important proof points because, you know, change is tough, right? And changing in places that are somewhat set in their ways is even tougher. So getting people around the table and, and increasing their willingness to change or embrace new models because you have seen it proven out, mm-hmm. at least in a small scale somewhere, is important. So the fact that the council is going around to say, show me your proof points. Give me your ideas and give me the evidence behind which you're building those ideas on. So we're not just going to talk about blue sky, you know, what if. Right. This is going to say, the reason I say this is because when we started Arch Grants, when we, you know, let's pull out example after example, this is what we saw. And we believe that if you put more energy, more enthusiasm, more scale behind this, this is what the outcome will be. Dedrick Carter from Washington University, Vice Chancellor, and Chad Evans, who's Executive Vice President at the Council on Competitiveness uh, compete.org for more information. Absolutely. All right. Thank you both so much for coming in. A pleasure. Thank you. And we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible after this. The winner of five Edward R. Morrow Regional Awards, including sports reporting. This is News Radio 1120, KMOX. Now, back to Nothing Impossible, sponsored by Accelerate St. Louis, the epicenter of innovation for the St. Louis region, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. All right, welcome back. Michael and Travis are with you, and let's talk about a St. Louis startup that's having some success. You know, when people think of startups, they often think of apps, right? That, that seems like very first. They think of apps. They think of Facebook. Uh, I'm a tangible product guy. Like, I love tangible products. And uh, Greetable, which has a app feel to it because you can do a lot on the web. You don't have to actually interact with human beings, which we like to avoid sometimes, I guess. But Greetable is this <laughs> way to uh, send tangible products to people, and they do it really, really well. Oh, fantastic tangible products. I don't know how many times I've used Greetable as a gift. I've sent it to people here at the station. I've sent it to friends, and, you know, it's just... You have not sent it to me. I just want to... Have I the, not sent for it? The, for the record. Well, we've talked so much about it, you know. I, don't, I feel like I don't need to evangelize about the St. Louis <laughs> startup culture to you, Travis. I would still like a gift, Michael. Okay. All right. Well, while we're interviewing Joe, maybe I'll click around and try to find something for you. We're going to talk with Joe Fisher right now, who's with Greetable, one of the co-founders. Thank you so much for calling in, Joe. Hey, thanks. it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. Some fantastic, some big news. Uh, tell us about your latest investment round. Yeah, absolutely. We just closed a $1.5 million round. Uh, it's the biggest round we've we've had so far, and, and it's really a great validation of, of the problem that we're solving and and the, the resonance, the, the way the, the product and the, and the services resonate with customers. Uh, really have a tremendous growth year over year and excited about what the future holds. So what is that key problem that Greetable is solving? Yeah, it's, it's, it's really the, what we call the gifting gap. It's those times when a card, greeting card isn't enough, but alternatives like flowers or spending a bunch of time trying to find that perfect gift or it just isn't right. It, it's kind of, kind of not personal enough or too expensive or you just don't have the time. And, and you uh, this started, I remember when I first saw these, uh, geez, what's it been? Probably 
three years ago now? Did you start about three yeah, years ago? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, you could buy them off the rack uh, at some at retail outlets, and now it's almost 100% online. Is that correct? It, it, that's that's correct. Yeah, we really uh, we really evolved uh, in in 2015 to be a, an online uh, online only really e-commerce focused uh, company, and, and a big part of that was was the desire for photo customization, which which we now now offer. And that's uh, we kind of have a view that photos are kind of like the new handwritten message. So that's that's a way to take advantage of that. Well, everybody certainly has a camera in their hand these days and an app for Absolutely. every occasion, it seems like. And perfect square images all the time. Of right. course, right? <laughs> that fit on six different uh, panels on a, on a Greetable. <laughs> and, and, and Joe, it's been, I mean, since you debuted this product and it was, um, I think it was billed as the foldable greeting card. And then you've added these different customization levels from different patterns to then adding photos and stuff like that. You've added the ability to put little gifts inside of the boxes. I mean, talk about the evolution just of the product itself, of what people get when they get a greetable from beginning to the where, where you are now. Yeah, absolutely. So when, when Zoe and I first launched the product, it was, um, it was really in that, that minimum viable product stage. And we, what we did was we really listened to customers. And and we uh, we ex- we experimented a lot, and we we learned from what what people wanted. That's how we came came up with the concept of the gifting gap, and and then ultimately we we knew that people wanted really high quality, uh, really high quality gifts, really high quality uh, designs and, and and products. From that standpoint, uh, they also wanted photo customization, and they wanted us to take care of everything for them. So they didn't want to touch it. They didn't want to mess with going to a store. They they want to be online. They want to think about a friend. Uh, a couple minutes later, has something you know that's on its way to them in in the next few days. And what's the turnaround time when somebody goes online and they uh, they order a greetable? Is this a take a one week to takes one week to get to somebody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. About there, uh, average order to delivery is about six days. We're we're really proud of our of our two day two business day photo customization processing time. It's it's really industry leading from that standpoint. So and we're always trying to get better. We're we're uh, launching. A little program we're going to we're going to call Greetable Insider later this year. Uh, I'm not going to say too much about it, but uh, one of the benefits of that is um, is going to be uh, even faster processing time. So we're we're really excited there. Any Greetable drones on the horizon? <laughs> uh, not yet, uh, but I'd never say never. Back to uh, what I was mentioning up the top. So I'm building Travis's gift right now, and I've chosen <laughs> the outer design that I want. I'm not going to do a photo. I'm going to go with one of your beautiful pre-made designs. I like the one with the blueberries on it. Uh, and let's see. What could I put inside of it? We've got everything from birthday candles to bourbon toothpicks. Uh, yeah, different. We actually, M- Michael, we just launched uh, today a round of, of gifts for, for men, but in, just in time for Father's Day, and that includes those bourbon-flavored toothpicks, uh, a couple of really nice candles, like cedar bourbon flavor, and, uh, and, and maybe Travis would like an essential oil spritz called Rugged Gentleman. <laughs> Joe, you know me so well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I'll just get him the confetti, and then he can open it at work. <laughs> and clean it up afterwards. Now, Joe, you're gonna uh, <laughs> with this 1.5 million dollar investment. Uh, you're gonna add to your team. You're gonna expand to new markets. What is what's next? What's the growth plan for Greetable? Yeah, absolutely. We are uh, we're growing the team like crazy. We have new uh, new teammates starting uh, Wednesday this week, and we're gonna hire a bunch of marketing positions, uh, finance, operations, technology, really the whole gamut. Um, we have a ton of new features in 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 the works. Uh, things from uh, I mentioned the Greetable Insider uh, program. The 
also things like scheduling orders. Uh, we're going to build in a reminders and kind of contacts address book. Really, really all of the pain points around sending a gift to someone, uh, we want to take those away and make it as easy as possible. Uh, so, you, you know, you can use them whether, you know, you're, use, you're sending a greetable or just, you know, have, have, a contact, have a handy contact ready for, for anything else, any other reason you might be sending something. Now, you know, uh, there's certainly a market you've shown for people sending these gifts and, and this gifting gap. But I'm also thinking about when you go to a conference and you get all these gifts. All and the different, swag, right? The swag, yeah. yeah. Or when your company has a theme day or something like that and there are gifts for employees. Could that be a potential market for Greetable, too, with this, especially yeah, with the new the round? Yeah, the corporate and, and professional market is something we get really excited about. Um, less less so on the, the swag level, but more on that client relationship level. Um, we, we ultimately were a... We're a conduit for a relationship, and and when you know when that works, we already we already see uh, people. You know, we get inquiries, we fulfill orders uh, for that as well, and we find that it's best when someone uh, really has that relationship with them. They really care about that other side, and, and they want to send something special. They don't want to you know blow blow a, a huge budget on uh, on you know five hundred different customers, but. Uh, we find we find that that's a really exciting. Basically, the gifting gap applies there as well, if that makes sense. Now, Joe, talk talk a little bit about the um, just the process of scaling a business. I think one of the things we like to do when we talk to people on the show is uh, not just talk about the the business itself, but you went from you know you and Zoe and adding employees and adding complexity to your to your product. Uh, what has that growth been like, and what's some of the the key learnings and lessons you've you've taken away from that? Uh, yeah, that's a great question. Probably something that doesn't doesn't get talked about enough. Um, you know, going from a couple of founders to one new employee is is a challenge in of itself <laughs> but you realize that um that as you know as as you grow you know for one one of the reasons we uh we really take pride in 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 onboarding and kind of indoctrinating uh new team members into into kind of the culture of greetable and, and really the the vision the, the purpose the reason why we exist in our core values uh because what we find is is if someone is not aligned with uh, with our core values, it's going to be really tough for them to be happy and productive, you know, as a member of the team. So, so that's really important. And that's something that, you know, when it was Zoe and I, we were just on the same page. And so, so there was, there was no issues there, but as you grow the team, you have to communicate those values and that, uh, and that purpose, you know, in, a, in an effective and, and reasonably efficient way too. So, uh, we're excited. We're onboarding a new team member this week, and and we think we we get a little bit better um, every every time we do something, which is actually one of our one of our core values. You know, Joe, for somebody who doesn't understand or know or maybe hasn't experienced the grind of starting a business, are you and Zoe still packing greetables individually by uh, hand? The two of you, the two founders? No, 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 we're not. We have a uh, one of the one of the keys to our our ability to scale is our is our fantastic manufacturing partner, which is also here in downtown St. Louis. Um, they uh, they we we work very closely with them, but they our technology communicates with theirs, um, and we have a great floor team there that uh, that does all the, the the pack out from from print to uh, to you know setting setting on the mail truck. Um, they're great. We we're over there all the time. We we work, you know, just just try to build that relationship as best we can. And they've been a fantastic partner of ours. But there was a day. There was a day when <laughs> we were doing it by hand. Well, you have to do it by hand, right? You have to you have to do it by hand at first to know what needs to be automated. That's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. 
and that's actually part of the onboarding process, just so people <laughs> so people know, you know. <laughs> well, it's very similar to enterprise holdings or enterprise rental cars. That if you're going to uh, be in that business, you have to start off like washing the cars uh, on the right. lot uh, just to know what it's like. Uh, now, Joe, as you're scaling up, are you guys running out of room at T Rex yet? Is there going to be a big uh, greetable tower uh, in downtown St. Louis anytime soon? <laughs> Well, I, I don't think so. We're, we're very happy at the T-Rex for now. Um, and, uh, you know, I think there, we, you know, we look forward to the day of, of expanding, of kind of graduating, so to speak, if you will. But, um, you know, I've kind of always said we got to, you know, we got to earn it and we're not quite there yet. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're, we're growing here. It's a great environment. Um, encourage anyone that, you know, in the area to, you know, to come check it out and see what's going on down here because uh, it's, it's pretty impressive. Joe Fisher, one of the founders of Greetable, G-R-E-E-T-A-B-L.com, is the website to go to just in time for Father's Day. Joe, congratulations on the $1.5 million investment round. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me on. And we'll be back with more Nothing Impossible after this on KMOX. St. Louis's news, traffic, and weather. News Radio 1120 KMOX and KMOX.com. Now, back to Nothing Impossible. Sponsored by Accelerate St. Louis, the epicenter of innovation for the St. Louis region. On News Radio 1120 KMOX. Welcome back in Nothing Impossible. Michael and Travis with you and a major piece of innovation news this week. Involves a new Metrolink station that's coming to one of the uh, fastest-growing job centers across the line. We're talking about the Cortex District near Boyle and Duncan Avenues, Travis. And the ribbon-cutting and the groundbreaking this week, I guess not a ribbon-cutting, just a groundbreaking. First they do the ceremonial shovels. That's right. And then the ceremonial big scissors come later. Come later, when uh, I guess probably when the first rider goes through the turnstiles, if there are turnstiles <laughs> at that point. If there are. We might get to that in just a moment. But first, Alderman Joe Rohde at that event says uh, he's been pushing for this for years because he says that Cortex is a jobs magnet. Being able to jump, uh, leave a research lab, a far-profit lab over here in the middle of Cortex, and hop on a train and take it all out to Warshoe or down to Grand Avenue, for that matter, and get off at the SLU campus. It is... Um, it's just going to be transformative. It will be transformative. I mean, think about this. You could land at the airport, come on down, hopefully with an inter, uh, international European flight, right? We, uh, we, <laughs> That's on the way, we, we like to hope about, talk about that. But you could land at the airport, take a Metrolink down to, um, to the Cortex District, um, do your business there, go down to a baseball game. It is that connectivity. Uh, Cortex is a, a huge job center, and being able to connect it out to the county and, and to downtown is going to be huge. You know who agrees with that? Who's that? That would be Hank Weber, who's the executive <laughs> vice chancellor at WashU, but also the chair of the uh, Cortex Innovation Community Board of Trustees. It's about connectivity, and it's about connectivity from, among other places, uh, Washington University, but it's also about St. Louis University and from downtown here. I think it's important to realize why this is so important. We're fundamentally about new firms, younger people creating new businesses. And that, the millennial generation really values public transportation. They want to have, it's one of the things we hear from our tenants regularly, is we want the option to live our lives without a car or without a car as a daily occurrence. And we want to live in a city that's looking forward, that has a vibrant public transportation system. Now you've heard the recent problems they've had with the shootings and how to make the train safer. Do you think they got their act together to where people will want to ride this new stop? I 
believe there are challenges, there are issues we all have to work on, but I think that the basic system is a huge asset for St. Louis, and we just need to make it better. Uh, Hank Weber mentioned uh, two key universities, St. Louis University and Washington University. But what this also reminds me of this of this link is, you know, the Metrolink stops right at the UMSL campus. Like it, there's a there's a stop on the campus grounds. Two. There two are two right. UMSL stops. Yeah. And so to be able to uh, connect that student population as well and that community of uh, out in, in the Ferguson area uh, to the Cortex District is also uh, amazing. And yes, there, there are some challenges. I don't think they're just public transit challenges as it relates to safety. I mean, we've been talking about challenges, safety as an issue uh, for the entire city and the entire region. Uh, but getting people connected and one of the best ways to uh, overcome the safety challenges are eyes on the street or just more bodies. Density actually breeds safety, not uh, greater danger. And and connecting people is a way that we es- establish density. Also on hand for the groundbreaking, June Fowler, who's the vice president of corporate communications for BJC. For BJC Healthcare, it is the continued uh, demonstration of our commitment to the city. We have a about 1,500 employees who live within, you know, a five-minute walk of the station, so it means easier access to them to work. And I believe also part of this project is an extension of the platform at the Central West End Station, which, for people who see the train go over the interstate and they squint and say, well, it doesn't look like there are that many people on that train, go to the Central West End Station during rush hour or during a shift change at the hospital. Isn't that one of the busiest stops? I think it's the busiest stop. I think by far it's the busiest stop. And then uh, we heard from Metro CEO John Nations, who, of course, is hoping to pick up some new riders with the new Cortex train station. All the many people that work here, not only the people who work here in Cortex, of which there will be several thousand as that job base continues to grow, but also we want to reach out to the neighborhoods. As I say, we like to make an investment to improve a neighborhood and then use that neighborhood to help improve the transit system. Just think about the the job center of Cortex, but let's also think about the job center of downtown, uh, the innovation district of downtown. We talk about T-Rex a lot on this show. Connecting these two districts via Metrolink is going to be amazing, right? That's going to be great to be able to go to events or visit with investors or see potential customers back and forth between the downtown and the and the central West End area where Cortex is. And with uh, especially with the new towers going up in Clayton, there's a Metrolink station in the heart of there, too. And some of the conversation around Centene's big expansion was... Um, about how are they embracing the street and are people, are, is Centene encouraging people to not drive to work but to maybe take Metrolink ex- instead? That was a part of their conversation. But if you're going to take Metrolink, John Nations was asked about this by our reporter there, uh, if Metrolink is in a position to gain new riders given all of the security concerns. I think that there will be new riders for the system. I also think that a lot is being done. We've been working with the city of St. Louis. As a matter of fact, I met with the mayor again this week as we, as they work to coordinate the policing plans and they work with us and we all work together to improve the system. So yes, we know safety is going to continue to be an issue. Uh, it's nice to know that Mayor Krusen is uh, making this a top priority for her administration. Um, but there are people that want to opt in to public transit and they don't do it due to inconvenience right now. Um, is this the the end all be all for public public transit? Absolutely not. We still need something go north, going north and south, right? Um, but this is another stop and it's, I think it's Somebody said it's the first new stop along the line since like 2006. Since the cross-county, I think it's the blue line opened, yeah. Yeah, so since 
So 11 years? Uh, Since Shrewsbury, the Shrewsbury line, stop. yeah. So uh, it is time to add to that infrastructure. Uh, well, we'll keep following this and uh, bring you the latest. There is the big conversation about Metrolink County executives been pushing for other lines besides the north-south, maybe one that might go to Westport, uh, where Worldwide Technology is building a headquarters, or maybe one that might go to Boeing, or maybe some combination of a county line plus the north-south uh, line that's been pushed by some in the city of St. Louis. So something to keep an eye on. And we'll probably talk about it on this show, don't you think? I think we probably will. We talk about all things innovation and revitalization in St. Louis, and we'll do it again next week. Thanks for joining us. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com.